Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life. Whether we're finding out how to hack our dopamine levels to experience more motivation and pleasure, debunking myths about popular skincare trends, or learning to love our bodies exactly the way that they are. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. Today is a really interesting episode. I honestly went into this interview thinking it'd be more like a how-to guide for finding a ton of success in your career, and while we definitely talk about that, it really ended up being so much more than that. The tools we talk about here will transform your romantic relationships, your friendships, and most importantly, how you think about yourself and your own potential. I am so excited to welcome Victoria Song to the podcast. Victoria is a leadership advisor to tons of successful celebrities, artists, scientists, founders, and CEOs. We're talking people like Ryan Hudson, who co-founded Honey, which was acquired by PayPal for $4 billion, that is billion with a B, or Fly by Jing co-founder Jing Gao. Like, this is the woman who is behind some major, major powerhouse success stories. Victoria began her career as a venture capitalist and studied at Yale University and Harvard Business School, has been featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, and is the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable. On this episode, Victoria shares two genius tips for aspiring entrepreneurs, a tweak that makes it easy to confront uncomfortable situations and conversations, why your core wounds are holding you back from success, and how to overcome them why manifestations don't work, and the one game-changing shift to make them pragmatic and world-shifting, a technique for moving through guilt, shame, anger, and other emotions that are holding you back, exactly how to identify your limiting beliefs so you can move past them, the surprising reason that a gratitude practice isn't always a good solution for uncomfortable emotions, and so much more. As always, Victoria and I would both love to hear your thoughts as you're listening, and I really want to know what advice resonates with you the most, so definitely screenshot and tag us both on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody, and she is at Victoria E. Song. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend, family member, or coworker so we can all start moving past our limiting beliefs and build realities that we're truly passionate about. Sharing is the best way to support the podcast, and it is so, so appreciated. We also have an amazing giveaway for this episode. It's worth thousands of dollars and will empower you to completely change your relationship to money. So definitely stay tuned until the end to find out how to enter. You do not want to miss this one. Oh, and one more thing. We are finally leaning more into the together part of the Healthier Together podcast, and we now have a Facebook group specifically dedicated to discussing the podcast episodes and any and all related topics throughout the week. I am so excited to be able to create a forum where not only can I interact with you, but you can interact with and help each other. Not only that, we're beginning to put together groups of people in cities all around the world that love the Healthier Together podcast and want to have their own podcast clubs. It's like a book club, but you discuss a podcast episode instead. So I will link the sign up for that in the show notes as well. I shared this on Instagram already and you all were so excited and I am so excited about it. So definitely check out the show notes or I also link it on Instagram if you can't find it there. Okay, let's get right into it with Victoria Song. Victoria, I am so excited to have you here. I'm such a fan of your book and your work, and I feel like you're the person behind a lot of entrepreneurs that I really admire as well. So I am really excited to get to talk to you today. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Liz. Amazing. So let's just get right into it. I want to talk about the fact that 
so many of my favorite women-owned businesses credit you with a lot of their success. I'm thinking like Carrie Lynn Palmer of Cat Beauty, Ariel Pasternak of Pineapple Collective, Jing Gao of Fly by Jing. I would love to hear any universal advice that you would have for female entrepreneurs out there, maybe one larger mindset shift and one super pragmatic thing that they could change or start doing right now? That is a great question. Across the board, I believe that the female entrepreneurs I work with, when they really cultivate their personal power and step into their truth and speaking up, even when they're afraid of disappointing someone or giving someone bad news or giving hard feedback, across the board, the thing they really own is world-class communication and really being able to deliver, whether it's a request or hard news, letting go of somebody, whatever it is, they don't avoid those conversations anymore once they really cultivate the communication skills and the personal power to speak up. So I definitely want to hear your super pragmatic thing in a second, but I want to linger on that for a moment. Are there any tips for being excellent communicators that we could all employ? I learned this from one of my mentors, and she calls it Alpha Communication Framework. Her name is Melanie Ann Lair. And it's an acronym, and the A stands for acknowledgement, the L stands for long-term vision, the P stands for problem, the H is happiness, kind of like a win-win, and then the last A is your ask. That's the framework that I teach my clients and that across the board really empowers them. And I find that when you can follow that framework, the conversation can be heard from the other party, no matter how constructive the feedback, no matter how hard the news, it actually can be received. And I think it's really important to make sure that as leaders, we're communicating in this very world-class way, because I think that's the ultimate sort of responsibility of a leader is to be able to respond consciously, right? To be at choice with how we show up in our response. And so I find that when you use this alpha communication framework, you know that at least on your end, you're like squeaky clean, you delivered it with integrity, with clarity. And then if the other person's response feels like, hmm, okay, they really didn't receive that well. Maybe it really triggered them. Maybe there was a level of emotional intelligence that wasn't very strong in that interaction. At least you can see it clearly that on your side of things, you showed up as clean as you could. And then that usually gives you the clarity to know if there is a bridge that you can build between the two of you to understand or if it feels like perhaps this person is maybe not aligned, perhaps you're going to actually yeah, struggle to build that bridge. And I think that's ultimately the thing that my clients will spin on is that if they don't show up and speak up or they show up and they speak up and it feels really messy or clumsy or they feel like they were spinning around the point, then however the person receives it, they never know if, oh, I could have said that better. Maybe I should have done it differently. And so this way, at least, you know that your side of it is clean. Can you just give a quick example of what that would look like in practice? So give me a problem this week that you had. Okay. I had a miscommunication with somebody that I was meeting up with in a professional context about the time that we were meeting up. Okay. And is this a friend that you have history with? Is it a friend that you want to continue to have a relationship with? It was a person I was hiring for a service. Okay. And so then what is your ask or your request kind of going forward with this service provider? I think it would be to just be as clear as possible and reach a mutual understanding about anything that was going to involve both of our time or anything that we were trying to agree upon. 
Okay. So clarity of time and really showing up when you say you're going to. Yes. And then I'm actually preparing backwards. So I started with the last A, which is the ask, because I believe that if we don't have an ask, we're kind of opening up a conversation without any closure. We're just sort of dumping and saying like, hey, you upset me. Okay, now what? You know. So it's important to know that you have the ask. So I actually prepare this conversation backwards. The next letter is the H, which is happiness, which is a win-win. So would it be correct to say that you want this to feel like a win-win relationship between you and this person? A hundred percent. Okay. So sometimes when we're really upset, because maybe the situation's a lot harder, or maybe it's like a relative in the heat of the moment, we're like, honestly, I don't even care what this person thinks right now. I'm so (laughs) upset. And so then if you can't really genuinely come from this win-win place, then you know you're not ready to have the conversation. Okay, great. So we check that one off. Then now we get to the problem. So how would you state the problem? The problem was we assumed we both knew something that hadn't actually been confirmed. And then what would you say is like the long-term vision you have for this working relationship? I would just love to have a positive working relationship where we were communicating clearly and both getting what we needed. Okay, perfect. And then the first A now is the acknowledgement. So is there something that you can acknowledge this person for? Any positive compliment? I mean, I love their work. I love the services that they provide. And I would love to continue to work with them because I'm such a fan. So now that you've answered and prepared this framework, we can actually put forward now. So it would sound something like, not word for word, but something like, First of all, I just want to tell you that I love working with you. I love the quality of your product. I'm really excited about us having an incredible working relationship. I want to make sure that we have clear communication, that we both feel like our time is honored, and that this is just a really positive experience for both of us. Right now, I noticed from this instance that it feels like both of us could maybe do a better job of double-checking or making sure that we're clear on what time we're meeting. I would just ask for the next time we set an appointment, do you mind just confirming, maybe sending me a calendar invite or just making sure that we're both clear and showing up on time, like that would be really great. What do you think? Okay. So I love that. I have a few questions. One, if you don't have an ask, if you're just like, this annoyed me and I need to get this off my chest, does that mean you probably shouldn't be having this conversation? Yes, precisely. Yeah. That's why we get to the acknowledgement piece because usually when people are upset, they're like, I can't even think of a single positive thing to say about the person. And then you're like, okay, now's not the time. And then you'd get to the part of my book where I talk about the importance of processing the emotion versus freezing it, letting emotions stack in your body. And so if you're really annoyed, sometimes honestly taking a walk, moving the energy pattern through motion of walking or even screaming into a pillow, you know, just sitting with the energy and letting it move out of your system. And then when you feel like you're in that more neutral space or even what I call the more expansive state then that's a really great time to apply the framework. Got it. And then the second question is, in the example that we used, I feel like both parties could have done better in that situation. What if you're in a situation where where you just feel like the other person was totally in the wrong and it's hard to not come off as accusatory when you're using this framework? Yeah. So the first question I would ask is, is this a situation in which you want to continue to have this person be a part of your life? Sometimes, you know, if there was something that was really just unhealthy or dysfunctional or something where you're like, it's actually clear to me that this is not a relationship I want to continue to have in my life, 
then it doesn't sound like you have a long-term vision for that relationship. And it sounds like, yeah, it's not important to you then therefore to have this kind of conversation with them. But if you do feel like this is someone I care about, I want to continue to have them be a part of my life. And therefore, I think it's important I say something so that we can clean this up and I can speak into this. Maybe they lied about something because you said it's like something that you kind of feel accusatory about. <laughs> you could say something like, you know, I really value our friendship or our relationship. It's really important to me that we both feel like we can trust each other in this relationship. When I found out that you actually didn't do what you said you were going to do, or you actually gave me misinformation, it really affected my trust and it made me feel betrayed in the trust that I put in you. And it's really important to me that if we continue to move forward in our relationship, that we repair this. Can I trust you to keep your word? Can I trust you to follow through with doing what you said you're going to do? Or can we have a conversation about this so that we can understand how we make sure this doesn't happen again? So it's still like employing the same framework, really. But I noticed you were using that psychological trick of like all the I words and like keeping it about yourself rather than you did this and this is your fault too. Yeah. And you could say that when you did this, this is what the impact of that was. But I do think that if you see in the framework, it is really focused on acknowledgement, long-term vision, problem, win-win solution, and then the ask. And just given the framework, I think it's important that in creating a win-win solution, it really frames the way you communicate the problem differently. I like that. I'm going to literally write that down and put it on a sticky note on my computer so that when I am interacting with people, I can at least, like you said, it's nice to know that you're keeping your side of the street clean because that's really all we can do. Exactly. And then you can't control their emotional intelligence and their ability to handle feedback. Yeah, which is annoying. It'd be nice if we could. Yeah. <laughs> you're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. If you listened to the NSFW sex Q&A episode back in November, and I know a lot of you did, it was one of our most popular episodes ever, then you might remember my amazing guest, Vanessa Marin. Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist with 20 plus years of experience in the sex therapy field. She's devoted to demystifying, debunking, and de-shamifying the conversations that we have around sex. And if you didn't know, she actually has a podcast of her own called Pillow Talks, which she hosts with her husband, Xander. On Pillow Talks, they focus on taking the intimidation out of intimacy and help you have more fun in the bedroom. They talk about everything from mismatched sex drives to hygiene to attachment styles, and their tips are so actionable and easy to incorporate into your life. Vanessa and Xander give you step-by-step -step techniques and even script things out for you if you're nervous to talk to your partner about something. It is such fun listening. They're giving these really helpful, informative tips, and they also keep things super casual and funny and share the ups and downs of their own relationships so that you never feel alone. Some of their most popular episodes include When Your Partner Wants Sex But You Don't, How to Get Out of and Prevent Dry Spells, an episode all about increasing desire, and so many topics that are really relevant and important to be talking about. Just scroll through their episode list until you find a topic that's interesting to you because I have honestly never listened to a bad episode of their podcast. To listen, just search for Pillow Talks on your favorite podcast app and hit the follow button. Again, that's Pillow Talks wherever you get your podcasts. I know you are going to love this one. Okay, so then what is one super pragmatic thing that somebody out there who wants to be a successful entrepreneur someday, what's something that they could change or start doing right now? 
So something that I teach all of my clients that I believe is quite tactical and you can apply it really to any goal that you have is, are my thoughts, feelings, and actions actually aligned with this goal? And what I mean by that is that oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we're doing all the actions, you know, we're doing all the things, but as we're doing it, the thoughts you might be having is, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if this investor is going to fund the company. I don't know if this customer is going to say yes. You know, it's like we're having all of these thoughts that are quite contractive. And then beyond thoughts, we might even have emotions like, I feel ashamed, like an imposter. I feel afraid. I feel a fear of embarrassment. I feel some guilt, like I could be doing more. And like at the end of every night, I'm kind of beating myself up for all the things I didn't get to and feeling behind. So right now, there's enough feelings of contraction. And then As you can imagine, if your thoughts are contractive and your feelings are contractive, then your actions are going to be almost like either you're spinning, you're stuck, or you're playing small. So the actions you're taking are going to be kind of protecting, not playing too big, avoiding certain situations from happening. And so I think one of the very specific frameworks or tactical things to consider is that whether your goal is to raise money or your goal is to build a world-changing product or your goal is you know to start a family this year, whatever it is, really check are your thoughts in alignment with this? Are your feelings in alignment with this? And are your actions in alignment with this? And so that's what I would say. And is that just a matter of if somebody was listening and they were like, I have imposter syndrome, I'm staying up too late working on this stuff. I'm also afraid I'm going to fail. Like they were like, check, check, check as you went through that list. Is that just a matter of consciously trying to shift those thoughts? Or is there a process to make your thoughts in alignment with your actions? Yeah. So in my work, when I find that a thought is coming up against a core wound, like a narrative that sounds like I'm not enough or a narrative that feels like I'm constantly blaming myself or a narrative that sounds like I got to do it all by myself. I can't trust anybody. Like there are some core narratives that we develop from our childhoods that there are processes and techniques that you can actually go through to neutralize the charge on them so that it's not this repeating feeling in your system that you've become so used to and you don't even realize is like your baseline belief about yourself. So there's definitely technique to neutralize that. But if it's not actually coming up against a core narrative, like a core wound, and it's more like, oh, I never realized I had a limiting money belief. That's not really rooted in my self-worth per se, but it was just based on the fact that I saw my parents work really hard to make money. So then I assumed you had to work and struggle and sacrifice in order to make money, or I believe you have to do work you don't want to do in order to make money. That's not really rooted in a core wound. It's just a belief that was conditioned from society or my family. In that latter case where it's not a core wound, you can actually do a very simple question, which is what's a better feeling thought that I can access. It's not like going for 180. I think a lot of personal development work bypasses it or makes it very hard where people are like trying to brainwash themselves and they're wondering like, why can't I embody this new belief? Cause they're trying to go from like, I feel fat to, I feel super sexy. And it's like, well, you can't really go 180 for a lot of things. So what if instead of saying in this case, like I believe I have to work hard doing something I don't love in order to make money. You can't go to, I'm going to make so much money doing what I love. What's like actually something more incremental, something that's just a step up. Maybe that's just like, you know, when I look around my friend, Jennifer, she's actually 
been doing really well running this new business that she just started and she loves what she does. Huh. Okay. There seems to be some evidence around me that there are some people who like what they do and are successful, right? So you just start to kind of poke holes at that initial limiting belief. And it can even be as simple as like, well, what if that weren't true? Is it possible that that's not true? You know? And so if you can't find the belief immediately, just ask yourself, well, what if this wasn't true? What we're doing is neutralizing the belief. Sometimes before we get to like the most expansive version of this perspective, it's just, can I go from contractive to just neutral relief? Like, oh, okay. I don't have to let that contractive belief have the last word. Because as you go through and look at kind of what are all the thoughts that are in the way of your goal, you'll find maybe there's like 10 things that you believe like, I don't have what it takes, but I don't know how. I don't know if it will happen fast enough. I'll probably run out of money first. You'll notice there's so many fears. And then if you can actually go in and rewire each one, like literally systematically say, okay, what is a slightly more expansive thought than this current one? Then already you're letting that no basically not have the final word on the situation. And I believe that that's kind of the problems that we're often all walking around, not realizing the places where we just let the, I can't have the final say. And then we just are like, okay, I give up then, or I'm not even going to try, or I'm just going to just dip my toe in because I don't want to get disappointed or hurt instead of really incrementally getting it higher And then at that point, you can even take it even higher once you've neutralized it. But the most important thing is that it passes your own, what I call bullshit detector. So if your body actually can accept it as true, then it's working. If your body is like, ugh, that sounds like it's a nice, you know, fanciful thinking, like that's magical thinking, sure, then it's not going to work for you. That's so interesting. Is that why a lot of like affirmations and manifestations and things like that might not actually work because our body literally just doesn't believe it? Yeah. I actually often get reached out by people who say, I've been doing Joe Dispenza's work for 10 years and I've been doing Neville Godard's work for, you know, this long and I just still can't make it happen. And I realize it's because they've been trying to jump into this 180 affirmation that they don't truly believe is possible. So it's just not in the cards for them if it doesn't feel in their body resonant. Would you recommend literally making a list of all your more contracting beliefs and then writing down a one-step remove, something you can accept next to each one of them? Yeah. So the way I often present it is most people wouldn't be able to proactively tell you what their limiting beliefs are. They would say like, I'm sure I have them because – I'm blocked and I'm stuck, but I don't actually know exactly what they are. Like some of them you might know, but not all of them. They're often in the subconscious. So there is an exercise that you can do, which is to just write out the goal that you want to have. So if your affirmation that you would love to one day really believe and hold true is, I am becoming a wealthy woman, then I would write that on a piece of paper. You would just say, I am becoming a wealthy woman. I am becoming a wealthy woman. I am becoming a wealthy woman. And then every time you hear a resistance, like, what? No, like you're not doing anything or your current job is capped at how much you can make, or you're not going to be able to support your family with that kind of a job. Like when you hear all those voices, those resistances and doubts pop up, you flip the page and you just capture them. And then you go back and return to, I'm becoming a wealthy woman. And so by the end of writing that out 30 times, you're going to actually hear in your head, all the resistances that 
popped up. I love that. I love that so much. It's just so tangible and tactical. And I love the idea of these incremental steps too, because the idea is right that you take one step and maybe you can believe it because it's true for your friend or you have some evidence or even just that powerful idea of like, what if this weren't true, I think is such a game changer. But then I love the idea of that's progressive, right? You get one step over and then you can get a step over from there and a step over. You're kind of climbing up the mountain of your life. Exactly. And I feel like this is a fun way of looking at it because you can always calibrate to more expansive beliefs. Like you'll meet people who are like, oh, the more fun I have, the more money I make. And you're like, whoa, I love that one, you know? And then you get to really reach for these ones where you're like, the version of me five years ago would have called bullshit on that, but I actually believe that today, you know? And so as you go through this incremental process, you'll continuously upgrade. By the time you've embodied a new belief, there's like a new one that you're aware of that you want to calibrate to. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. A lot of what we talk about on this podcast are low-hanging fruit, little things you can add to your day that will make a huge difference in your health or mindset or just life in general. This product is one of those things for me. While a lot of health stuff is cumulative and all about consistency, this is one of those few things that I notice a difference literally right away. I'm talking, of course, about AG1 by Athletic Greens. I know some of you are scared that this is an overhyped product because you hear so many people talking about it, but I would never promote something that I didn't stand behind entirely. And in this case, it's just one of those things that's super hyped because it's actually that good. Here's the basics. You take a scoop of AG1 and mix it into water, juice, or a smoothie. I like water because I actually really like the taste of AG1, but if you're less keen on the taste, my hot tip is to shake it with ice cubes. It makes a huge difference. But I do really love the flavor. People always ask if I'm lying when I say that, and I'm not. I've really come to crave it. It tastes like bubblegum or tropical vanilla. I will say I might crave it because it makes me feel so good. It's like a Pavlovian response where I'm obsessed with the flavor because I associate it with how good I feel after drinking it. Okay, so you take a scoop, chug whatever you're drinking it with, and boom, you have this incredible insurance that you've gotten your foundational nutrition in, regardless of how the rest of the day goes. Because we're trying to eat all the veggies, all the mushrooms and seaweeds, but we're not perfect, and that's okay. AG1 has 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and adaptogens to cover your bases. Right after I drink it, I feel like a gentle energy. It's not at all jittery like caffeine, but more just like you just woke up from the best night of sleep. It gives me a ton of mental clarity and clears any sluggishness or brain fog that I have, which is why even though a lot of people start their day with it, I actually prefer to drink mine in the early afternoon, right when I have that 3 p.m. slump. And it's not a placebo effect. AG1 has so many ingredients that have been extensively researched for their brain health effects, like rhodiola root dry extract, hawthorn berry, and rosemary, just to name a few. It also has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no artificial anything. And they're third-party tested, which is always so important to look for. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash healthier together. 
The vitamin D3 and K2 is amazing. You actually always want to make sure that you look for K2 with your D3 because the K2 helps the D transport calcium to your bones where it's needed rather than calcifying in your arteries, which we do not want. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash healthier together to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now let's get back to the episode. It makes me think about, too, how important it is to surround yourself with as much as possible people who are expanders, whether that's in your real life or just the accounts you follow on social media or the books you read. But the more evidence that you have for these expansive beliefs, the easier it is going to be for you to take these incremental steps. That is so true. And I believe that is why when people join my group programs, it feels like you're plugging into a new normal where maybe in your friendship groups or your current communities, it feels insane to imagine that you could make seven, eight figures doing something that you love without working a hundred hour weeks, right? Like there's this idea that this is what's required to succeed. And then you're in this community of other women where you're like, holy shit, you grew your company so much in a year and you're blowing past all your projections of what you thought you were going to hit this quarter. You start to feel like everyone is like a tuning fork. All that success is a tuning fork where you're all really up-leveling together and starting to be like, wow. Basically, I believe that the more you normalize a belief, the more it becomes true for you. And so when you can surround yourself with people in your community who are making it quantum leaps normal, all of a sudden it's easy for you to have quantum leaps because that's normal for you. I love that. I actually think it'd be interesting if you look at your goal and you look at your limiting beliefs, you kind of look around your community. And if your goal is like, I'm in a healthy, happy relationship. And then you look around your community and everybody just complains about their partners all the time. And maybe that's the sign that that's something that's impeding that belief. Like you're not surrounding yourselves with expanders in that category. And it'd be an interesting practice to do. Yeah. To like actually seek it out, even if it's initially through an Instagram account, but just starting to find people who seem to have healthy relationships, who talk about relationships in a way that inspires you. And then when you meet couples that, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I love your relationship. I love your love. Even as a single person, you're starting to feel like, wow, that's possible. I have so much evidence. Yeah. My husband and I are doing that right now because we are considering having a kid and we're kind of intentionally seeking out both virtually and in our real lives, people who are making parenting look a way that we are interested in parenting looking for us. And it's been a really interesting practice to be like, how to not feel limited by what we've been told parenting should look like and more be like, well, what would this be like in our dream world? And can we find people who are living our dream? Yes. Yes. And move to Portugal. You're going to find a lot of fun parents here. (laughs) Are there? What's the parenting situation like in Portugal? Yeah. I find that everyone attracted to Portugal currently is really drawn to quality of life and optimizing for a balance of life where it's not like New York City where people don't realize how they're overweighting career and money, right? And then there's other parts of the country where it feels like they're kind of relaxed and this is you know, a slow pace of life. I feel like in Portugal, you get the remote entrepreneur workers. You get people who just started families or thinking about having families. You get single people here who are just wanting a great quality of life. And so I've noticed that the parents here, I don't know if this is a bias, but I swear that the kids I have met from the parents in Portugal, I'm so impressed. I'm like, your kids 
if I knew my kids would be like your kids, I would totally have them tomorrow. I'd do them, yeah. That's you so know? <laughs> it's so interesting how the place that we live influences us, even in these like teeny tiny ways. I didn't realize until I left New York how much it had been pushing this ambitious part of myself that's almost ambitious to a fault. And I already have that so strongly. Like I have that fire and New York was like turning the fire into a wildfire that was not good for me. And I actually need an environment, I think, that quells the fire and makes it a little bit calmer. And it's interesting, all these teeny tiny ways that our environments actually change our goals and our moods and how we live our day-to-day life. Yes, exactly. I think environments is one of the quickest ways to get a transformation because as soon as you're in a new environment, there's an opportunity to create new habits and you can surprise yourself. You could be like, well, I never knew I was an early riser, but since moving here, I am. You know, you can surprise yourself. It's so interesting. I have to ask if our limited beliefs are due to a core wound. You said there were tactics for that. Could you just share one? Yes. So there's actually something we can do on this interview podcast right now, which is that it's a polarity integration. And so it's taking something that feels very charged for you. Like a, it could be that I don't feel intelligent. It could be, I don't feel like I belong. It could be a sense of, I don't know what it takes. I'm not good enough. It really could be any charge that you have. Like it could also be like, say you're feeling like, gosh, I just, I don't love my body right now. And I'm just noticing that I have a lot of like shame towards my body. And, and so that could be an example. So truly you could take anything that currently feels like it creates a lot of contraction in your system. And it's actually quite simple. So we can do it right now. Is there something that you feel has like quite a bit of charge for you that we could, you know, do an example on? I think I have an idea that things that feel easy can't feel successful, like that I have to work really, really, really hard to have the impact that I want to have. Okay. And would you say we were to bring it back to a core wound? Does it feel like maybe who I am naturally is not enough? So I have to work extra hard to kind of make up for for it? Yeah. My entire childhood was also only being complimented, rewarded, affirmed for things that I was accomplishing. And so then I really grew to tie my self-worth with accomplishments. Understood. I'm going to run through it kind of quickly just for you know our time. But when you do this at home, you really can take your time feeling into this. But first, I would say, Liz, like, can you just feel into the contractive side of this? Of like, I'm not enough, and therefore I have to try harder, work harder than everyone around me. Okay. And by feel into it, you just kind of mean feel it in my body or think that thought? Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to first say, feel where it is in your body. So I just noticed like my chest tightened up. So that's the first thing. And then I would say to everyone listening, if you do this exercise, you would say, okay, well, is there a thought that accompanies the sensation? For me, it's the idea of like, why don't I get to be enough when everybody else does? So we're really kind of getting 360 at this feeling in the body. So it's okay. Let me think that thoughtfully. And then the feeling is sort of like it's unfair. Like this doesn't feel fair. So now I'm letting myself feel that fully. And then I'll ask like, what's an image that comes to mind? My first image I had was me as a kid. Yeah. That's what I was feeling too. So now you can really let that image come to the forefront, go into that image, let it come so alive, so vivid like you're watching a movie in front of you right now.
And so for those listening, I would have you do this for maybe a couple minutes, but for our purposes, I'm going to have you move to the next step two now. So now that you've really gone into this, I would have you release it on your next breath. And then now, Liz, I'm going to ask you to feel into the opposite state. Whatever that looks and feels like, just go to the opposite of this feeling for you. And do I need to be picturing a person that I picture as the opposite or just trying to an abstract feeling of it? Yeah, an abstract feeling to start. So it's an expansive feeling in the body. And just tell me what's the sensation feel like in your body. I'd say like my shoulders drop. There's almost a widening. Yes. And then what's the thought like here in this state? That it's easy, that life doesn't need to be as hard as I'm making it. Okay. So it can be easy and really think that thoughtfully. And then notice what's the emotion here? Relief maybe? Yeah. So like a relaxation, a relief. Okay, good. And then what's the image here? Probably still me as a kid, but there was like a joyful me as a little kid. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So really let yourself see that scene, let it play out, even dramatize the scene. Like everyone's celebrating. Everyone's like, yeah, go you. Like you're such a natural. So letting yourself really feel that fully. We would probably stay here for a couple minutes but I'm going to take us to step three. So you can release that on your next exhale. And then now I'm going to ask you to feel both states at the same time. Yeah. And it might feel a little bit like, ooh, push and pull, but just as much as you can try to feel that first state of like, I got to push and work really hard in that memory of you as a kid. And then now also breathe in at the same time, this feeling of, but it can also be easy. I'm a natural. And when you breathe in on your inhale, I'm going to actually ask you to imagine that the top of your inhale, you're squeezing the two before you exhale. So it's like, so like you're squeezing the two states together, mixing them together, like paint, whatever is the good analogy for you, but you're blending the two states on your inhale. What do you notice is the quality of this combined state? It feels more attainable, like the idea of both instead of just trying to be the latter one. So it kind of feels like there's more ease here, like there's not as much tension. So you can let that go on your next exhale. So if anyone wants to do this exercise, he's tuning in, you would actually do this three times. So I just took you through feeling the contractive version, then feeling the expansive version, then feeling both. And then you would just do that round two of that and then round three of that. And you could have been throwing a four for a bonus if it's a supercharged thing and you're like, I'm going to have to do another round of this. And what you will find is by the third round and for some, maybe the fourth round, the combined state will be easier to access. And all of a sudden it feels like you can't even access the polar opposites anymore. You can't feel one without actually feeling the combined state. So what's the idea there? Is the idea that we are trying to integrate different beliefs or what is the exercise actually doing? 
So what I believe is happening is that when we feel into the topic, we're kind of almost looking at every wiring that we have tangled up in this belief. So the belief of, as you said, like, I need to work harder. It comes from a really young, early memory of being in your childhood, right? Every time you do this round, you're going to notice that there's different memories that pop up. There's different thoughts. There's different feelings. There's different imagery. And you're going to start to realize that your brain has a whole map of what it touches this topic with. It's like a 360 overview of here are all like the strings that are hooked into this belief. And then by feeling the opposite state, we really anchor you into, well, what would you want to feel instead of all the things that that opposite state represents to you? So every time you do it, you'll notice a different feeling, a different image, a different memory come to mind. And then when you do the combined state, it is that integration piece where you, instead of feeling like it's either good or bad or right or wrong, you start to feel like, oh, it actually feels neutral. It feels like these two states are neutral in my body, they're integrated, and they're kind of almost like one and the same now. Yeah, I really encourage you, Liz, to do this for a couple more rounds. I think you can already kind of feel a little bit, as you said, that it feels more easeful. By the fourth round, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't even feel that charge around how I have to work so hard to be successful. You'll start to feel like, oh, I don't even know if that's a belief that creates any charge in my body anymore. I love that. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Guys, we have such a fun sponsor today. I actually reached out to Organic Olivia and I asked if she wanted to do a pod swap because I love her products and her knowledge and just her whole vibe. She said yes, so you'll hear that next week. And she also asked if I wanted to share more of my favorite products of hers with you. And of course, I was like, yes, please. Just a little behind the scenes, but I wanted you to know how much I genuinely organically love this stuff. Olivia is so cool. She is a trained herbalist and Chinese medicine practitioner, and she distills all of that into powerful tinctures, capsules, syrups, and teas that truly get to the root cause of whatever it is that you're dealing with. Let's start with the teas because I am such a tea baby. I love to be doing something with my mouth at all times. And you know what I mean? Get your mind out of the gutter. And for me, sipping on tea fills that hole so I'm not like mindlessly snacking or doing what I did in my early 20s, which was smoking cigarettes. I know it's not great. I quit. Don't worry. They also help you actually drink enough water by making it way less boring and if you steep them properly. So for herbal teas, we're talking at least 10 minutes and covered so all the organic compounds don't escape. You're actually getting a ton of health benefits. So it is a win, win, win. Organic Olivia has some of my favorite teas that I have ever found. I drink the healer tea most days. It has plantain, calendula, peppermint, and chamomile. Here, I'm going to read you something from the website because it shows how differently that they think about this stuff. Made with strengthening and soothing mucilaginous herbs that help coat, fuel, and protect intestinal mucosal integrity, this blend promotes healthy intestinal permeability even on days when you're indulging in your favorite foods, dealing with gas and bloating, or experiencing a bit of digestive stress. I just love that they were like, okay, what's the root cause of gut issues? How do we actually address that? They bring that same philosophy to all of their blends, which include blends for urinary tract support, kidney support, brain health and energy, skin health, immunity, and more. I'm literally drinking the brain blend, which helps me focus but keeps me calm and not jittery at all as I'm recording this. You can also try out their wildly popular Main Magic, which is a game changer for anyone looking for a natural hair strengthener. 
It promotes healthy blood flow to feed the skin, hair, and nails, and people go nuts for it. Everyone I know who's tried it sings its praises. And again, because you're addressing those root causes, it helps with hormone imbalances and other issues as well. Of course, I have a code for you. Go to OrganicOlivia.com and use code MOODY10 for 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's OrganicOlivia.com and use code MOODY10. Trust me, you need to get your hands on these teas. And don't forget to tune in to the Healthier Together podcast next week to hear all of Olivia's amazing tips and secrets. So we've sort of alluded to the idea that mastering the states of expansion and contraction is critical in your philosophies. That's kind of what you consider bending reality, correct? Yeah. All of my techniques and tools are for moving through contraction, releasing it from your system, and then anchoring in and making expansive states your default state. So as you can see, these tools, these techniques, these frameworks, these communication frameworks, they're all, how do I make sure that I'm coming from a state of expansion when I communicate, when I take action, when I get my thoughts, feelings, and actions aligned? And how does that bend reality? So I believe that we bend the odds when we're in expansion. And so as you can imagine, the most straightforward example is one that we just talked about, which is that if I don't believe in myself and I feel a lot of imposter syndrome, then you could imagine that the actions I take are going to be more of playing small, playing not to lose, maybe never even putting myself out there to begin with, never starting. And so as you can imagine, like the odds are not in your favor if that's where you're coming from, which is a contractive state. If on the other hand, your state of expansion, your thoughts, feelings, and actions feel expansive, you'd be saying things like, I think I can do this. I actually believe that if she can do it, I can do it. I have a really good feeling about this. I really believe in myself and my capabilities. I have history and a track record of being able to do whatever I set my mind to. And from that energy, now I'm going to be playing big. I'm going to be thinking of insights and strategies that I wouldn't have access to if I were playing small and trying to avoid disappointment, right? So all of a sudden, it feels like I'm open and available to opportunities, to insights, to synchronicity. And I believe that as you can imagine, all of a sudden you're bending the odds in your favor if you're starting to believe in yourself and take action in a way where you're bold in this state of expansion. And the other thing that I feel is worth noting is that the reason I stress the importance of actually going into the emotion and feeling the contraction versus trying to finesse through telling yourself affirmations to get yourself out of it, especially when it's a core wound, is because I find that when we are afraid to feel uncomfortable feelings, we walk through life where as soon as something happens that we don't like, it didn't go the way we wanted, maybe we hurt someone's feelings, we disappointed someone, we shrink back into our shell. And as you can imagine, like if you shrink into your shell every time you feel contraction, you're going to miss a lot of life. You're going to miss a lot of opportunities. You're not going to be able to see as clearly what are all your options, what are all the possibilities. And so as you can build this muscle memory in your body of it feeling safe to feel your emotions, of it feeling safe to feel hurt and disappointed, of where you know how to feel and process your emotions like we just did with this polarity integration – You're not going to be so afraid that you're going to be sending yourself back into your shell each time something goes wrong. And if you can actually stay open and available and in a state of expansion, I believe that you will start to notice this phenomenon where you're actually 
accessing what I call like quantum leaps, where it's like you're collapsing time around what you want. It's kind of like this question that I like to ask, which is, if you want to have 10 years of success in one year, are you able to hold 10 years of ups and downs in one year? So what I'm training my clients to do and the readers through the book is how to be with contraction, how to allow it to flow through you, how to move through these uncomfortable emotions so that you're actually ready to face whatever up and down might come your way. And you're not like, oh no, like I don't want to be on this, like take me off this roller coaster. Cause I actually have found that the more willing we are to feel the thing, but really consciously where we can say, okay, I'm going to remain calm in the eye of the storm and I'm going to process this. And then I'm really going to sit with what is the growth? How is this growing me? You know, how is this strengthening me? How is this teaching me a lesson? And as you can feel in your system, if those are the questions you're asking yourself, you're staying calm and expansive despite whatever's going on in your life. So then no matter what life throws at you, if you can stay expansive, that's when I believe you can bend reality. And that's why I spend so much time in the book talking about how to do exactly that, to sit in the eye of the storm. Are contractions always coming from internally or are there ever external contractions that are very real and you can't kind of apply this framework to you're up against systems that are stacked against you or you're trapped in situations that you can't get out of or things like that? It's a great question. So I would say that throughout history, there's so much evidence of people in really terrible situations, circumstances, you know, where it's not, I'm not fighting an inner landscape of contraction of you know, just my childhood trauma or something that happened to me, but I'm actually in a situation where I'm trapped, where I'm a prisoner, where we're in a war, where I really feel like this is just my reality. And I believe that the people who've been able to heal and to move forward and to really have a good chance of surviving those situations is what is the perspective that they can hold in that moment that feels expansive in their system? So it doesn't have to sound the same for everyone, but for some people, that's a belief in God, right? So believing that you're going to be safe because you're praying every day, right? For other people, that could feel like I need to get out of here because I have kids back home and I'm going to do whatever it takes because there's just no other choice. And you find this bigger why for why you're committed to getting out of the situation. For Nelson Mandela, there was this huge sense of like, this is going to be part of why things change. Like I know that while this moment sucks, while like I'm in prison, this sucks, like I'm going to be really mindful of the kind of leader I'm showing up and really role modeling what it looks and feels like to stand in my truth and to trust that I will inspire people from where I'm sitting right now and that this is going to change everything. And so you can be in these situations and then just notice what is the best feeling thought that I can get behind in this situation. So everybody's best feeling thought isn't going to be, I can effortlessly earn millions of dollars, but you can access the best feeling thought for you. Yeah, exactly. It's going to sound different for everyone because what lights me up is probably different than what lights you up and what motivates you might be different than what motivates me. So it's just really getting behind like, what is the higher perspective that I can get my body to feel expansive behind? And I think that is so critical. It's such an unlock that if you can't believe yourself, it's not going to happen. I just think that's such a different thing than I've ever heard said. And it changes how I think about all these types of things. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. 
I know a lot of us are worried about the environment, and I totally get how powerless we can feel when people in power aren't taking the actions that they need to. We talked about in the Neuroscience of Anxiety episode how the antidote to anxiety is action. Basically, by taking the actions that are within your power, you literally catalyze a neurological reaction that will make you feel better. There's a ton of science to support this, and I found it wildly helpful in my own life, which is why I'm so excited to share one of the things that is within your power today, and that's supporting brands that are truly committed to sustainability and making a difference. Grove Collaborative carries hundreds of products aimed at replacing single-use plastics across your home and personal care routine. They have concentrated cleaners that come in tiny aluminum bottles, and then you use a refillable glass bottle and add water to it at home. You still get a powerful cleaner that's good for you and good for the planet, but you save all that gas on shipping heavy items and all that plastic from the packaging. And you're not skipping on efficacy either. Grove Co.'s cleaners are twice as effective as other leading natural brands. Grove Co. has basically everything you need to keep your home healthy and clean, from laundry care to hand soaps and more. All of the ingredients are Liz Moody approved, so you're not inhaling anything that's not great for you or your pets or your kids. And they're just so sustainability-minded at every turn. Like, they make the only toilet paper that I have ever found that doesn't come wrapped in plastic, and they're going to be completely plastic-free as a company by 2025. The scents for their products are also really elevated and feel more like what you'd find in a nice hotel than anything that you can get at a grocery store. My favorite all-purpose cleaner is orange and rosemary scented, and then they have a lavender rosemary laundry soap that I am obsessed with. Also, this is random, but I always get asked what my favorite non-toxic condoms are, and after testing pretty much every single one out there, the ones that Zach and I both like best are the ultra-thin ones from Sustain, which I have literally only been able to find on Grove Collaborative. So, you know, get your dishwasher soap, get your toilet brush with a replaceable head, and stock up on condoms. Go to grove.com slash Liz M today to get a free gift set worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is always fast and free, so get started right now at grove.com slash Liz M. Again, that's grove.com slash Liz M. You can help your anxiety and help your house sparkle in one fell swoop. Now, let's get back to the episode. I'm curious if there's a way to figure out whether you're operating from a state of expansion or contraction. So in the first chapter of my book, it's very sensational. As you can hear from my conversation so far, I just have you tune into your body. So I just ask in this current moment, as you take a breath, you just notice, do you feel open and relaxed or do you feel like there's some tightness, some tension, some nervousness? I mean, sitting here having this conversation, I feel very expansive right now. So when I tune into my body, I notice, oh yeah, I feel open. I feel happy and joyful and grateful and just very calm and relaxed and excited. And so then I know that I'm in this expansive state. On the other hand, you know, before I hopped on the call, I was like, okay, breathe. Don't feel nervous. I was noticing that there was a part of me that was feeling quite contracted just because I hope this is a great conversation. I hope you like the answers I give you, Liz. You know, there's a lot of those sorts of thoughts. And I think it's natural. These thoughts and fears don't go away, which is why I give clients tools to do this work because you're always going to access a new set of fears at every level of success. So, you know, going into this conversation, I actually sat and did a polarity breath work, which is a different technique where I actually took those two poles 
of feeling like grateful and excited, but then also feeling nervous and wanting to make sure that this goes well. And I integrated the two through breath work. And then by the end of it, I was like, ah, okay, I feel relaxed again. So I think it's really important, basically, the energetic state from which we are taking action from. And whenever you can be mindful to do the practices, do the techniques, even do what's a 10 for you. Like if you love going for a run or you love getting a massage or you love painting or creativity or singing or dancing, incorporate that into what puts you in a state of joy before an event that matters to you, that's important to you, that you feel calm and happy. And we've mentioned fear a few times, but you talked about a few other emotions that are often behind feelings of contraction, like guilt and shame and anger. Can you speak to those a little bit? So I believe, as we talked about with these core wounds, that they often are rooted in these deeper feelings of shame, for instance, like feeling inadequate feeling not good enough. And then I believe that we also sometimes, especially as women, feel guilty whenever we let somebody down, whenever our truth doesn't align with what someone else wants of us, right? And we're kind of taught that good girls put themselves last. Good girls keep everybody else happy. Good girls please others. And so then we have the sense that we're being selfish if we put our needs first. And so I think guilt is a really common one for the female clients that I work with. And then anger is one that I think some of us actually have difficulty accessing. I've noticed that for women particularly, it can be easier to access sadness than it is to access rage or anger. But for the moms that I work with, they absolutely can get fierce mama bear on behalf of their children, even like a friend. If something that happened to them happened to a friend, they'd be furious. But with it happening to them, they often feel just sad and helpless and sort of accepting of it was bad, but what am I going to do about it? But I'm like, but what if that happened to your daughter? Well, they're like, well, then I would go there and I would do X, Y, Z, you know? And it's like a totally different reaction. And so I talk about these emotions, fears, you said, that I think are really important to understand when you're feeling them. And it's not so crucial that you label the emotion correctly in so much as it is important to know the sensation and where it sits in your body. So the work that I do is much more somatic than intellectual. So even though I've said a lot today, you can see the techniques are really dropping into your body and feeling at the sensation level what's going on. And I believe that these emotions, they kind of feel different in the body. So anger could feel like fire in your belly, for instance. And sometimes you can feel like there's butterflies in your stomach or your chest tightening or even your throat tightening, right? Maybe there's some sense of guilt. So I believe that most important is just to notice what do you feel in your body? Does it feel contractive? Can you bring awareness there? Can you allow your nervous system to feel safe? To feel this emotion. I'm allowed to feel sad. I'm allowed, I'm safe to feel angry. I'm safe to feel afraid, right? These are emotions that I can let into my body. And from that place, even as you can imagine, just accepting the emotion and allowing the emotion already, it starts to relax a bit in your system. Given just as I said this, I'm like, oh, those emotions don't feel as contractive anymore in my body. And so a lot of the book goes through step-by-step. How do you actually sit with and feel fear, anger, guilt, shame, so that you can create more openness around the emotions so that it doesn't have to feel like it's frozen tight in your body, creating the contraction. I remember when I was agoraphobic, I couldn't get out of bed. I was having panic attacks every day. And I read this book. I totally forget what it was called, but it talked about 
leaning into anxiety being one of the best ways to stop a panic attack. And it was such a game changer for me because when you're feeling anxiety build up in your system, every part of you wants to push it down and push it down, but then you're really just giving it more energy. It's the tug of war rope. And then the second you just let go of your end of the rope and you're just like, I'm just going to lean into it, it takes away all of its power. And it's been one of my personal most helpful tools for my anxiety. And it's interesting to think about it in the context of all of our emotions. Like the emotion has its own strength, but we give it so much more strength by not allowing ourselves to have it. Yeah. It's the war that we have with the emotion that creates all the contraction. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. You talked about a few strategies that we could employ daily to have more of an expanded mindset, not just in contrast to our contraction, but just to sort of cultivate that expansive state of mind. You talked about like passion and optimism and vision. And I'd be curious if you could give us some things we could start to do every day just to kind of turn our brain in that direction. So anything that feels like a 10 for you, so for me, dancing will always put me into a state of expansion. And so you can start to name, like, I love to take baths. I enjoy cooking. I have two Huskies and I love my dog. So you can first make your own list of what are tens for you and how much time are you currently making for your tens, right? For many of us, we're not making enough time for that. And that's why we're used to our nervous system being wired to a state of contraction. Sometimes it's as simple as introducing more time and energy on expansive activities so that our nervous system starts to calibrate to a more expansive state. And then outside of that, there's also why personal development talks about the importance of gratitude, the importance of finding a mission statement, the importance of understanding your value system and excavating what your values are, understanding the importance of doing what you love, of doing something that you feel is in service to others, right? Because I believe that all of these things put you into a state of expansion, which is why so many practices stress these things. And things like meditation, yoga, breath work, all of these things, by going through the motion of moving energy through breath and movement and sometimes sound, you put yourself into this expansive state. However, I would caution people not to try to use a gratitude practice to get out of an uncomfortable emotion. So I know that sometimes because we don't feel comfortable going there, like you said, with your anxiety, just surrendering into it and letting yourself feel it. Many people feel like, oh my God, that's the last thing I want to do. So as soon as I notice I'm upset, I'm going to start writing 10 things I'm grateful for. And that is the bypassing that I think a lot of times happens and really circumvents the opportunity to heal and really ends up freezing the pattern even deeper in the body so that now it's like, okay, great. Well, you're going to have to eventually look at this, but (laughs) you're just stuffing it down and adding stacks of unprocessed emotions when you just try to reach for something to make yourself feel better, whether it's alcohol, calling a friend to get yourself out of the motion. So when you can learn to actually self-regulate, self-soothe, know that you're safe to be with these uncomfortable emotions, then through the natural processing of it, like you said, you felt immediately better when you let yourself go into it. That I believe is the best way to deal with contractive feelings. But when you're generally feeling neutral, where you're just like, I woke up, I feel great. What's something I can go do that makes me feel expansive? Okay, well, I can go sing in the shower. I can turn on the radio. I can listen to music. I can dance around naked, like whatever it is that lights you up. How can you start to incorporate that so that you can start to compound the energy 
toward an expansive direction. So it's like you're constantly taking yourself higher versus going down a downward spiral of stress and anxiety. I love that. So I'm going to have my sticky note on my computer with my communication technique. And then I'm also going to have my sticky note on my computer with, I'm just going to keep an ongoing list of my tens. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. We love talking about our gut health here on the Healthier Together podcast, which is why I'm so excited to share the life-changing Seed Daily Symbiotic. I actually discovered Seed back when I was working as an editor full-time. A bottle came across my desk, and I was instantly taken by how cute the green glass packaging is. Then I found out that that packaging was actually refillable so that Seed could share its products as sustainably as possible. And then I actually looked into the research behind Seed, and well, I was blown away. First of all, seed is not just a probiotic, it is a symbiotic. That means it contains both pre and probiotics, which is super important. In fact, if you remember my Ask the Doctor Gut Health Edition, we talked about how prebiotics are one of the most important and often underlooked components of great gut health. Let me break it down for you. Probiotics are the live bacteria that are so beneficial to our gut health. But prebiotics are the food that those probiotics need to thrive. If you don't have ample prebiotics, the probiotics you're consuming will be undernourished and not be able to help your health in the way that you want. Speaking of your health, there's also a common misconception that probiotics or symbiotics are for people with gut issues, which is so not true. Like, yes, the seed symbiotic is amazing for your gut health, but your gut health impacts everything in your entire body, your skin, your mental health, your cardiovascular health, your ability to actually assimilate the maximum amount of nutrients from all that healthy food you're eating. Having a happy gut is critical for all of it. It is hard to narrow down everything else that I love about seed. I am extremely particular with my supplements and I don't take many, but seed is just stellar across the board. It's been tested and tested and tested. Seriously, their testing process is bananas to make sure that it has 100% survival through the digestive process, which is so rare. And somehow they do all of that without needing refrigeration, which is very handy. I find that when I have refrigerated probiotics, I just forget about them and they get buried behind old jars of pasta sauce, whereas I keep these on my bedside table so I'm reminded to take them every single night. They also contain the 24 strains that are the most scientifically studied to support your whole body's health. I am obviously passionate about this stuff. Taking care of my gut has been a key part of my own anxiety journey, and Seed has been a vital part of that. So feel free to reach out with any questions. And if you like learning about gut health and how probiotics and prebiotics actually function, I highly recommend heading over to Seed.com. They have a whole educational section that breaks down the science behind your microbiome in some of the easiest to understand ways that I have ever seen. And if you'd like to try Seed for yourself and pretty much change your life forever, you can get 15% off your first month's supply of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic by going to seed.com slash daily dash symbiotic and using the code Liz Moody. Again, that's code Liz Moody on seed.com slash daily dash S-Y-N-B-I-O-T-I-C. Now let's get back to the episode. I'd love to do a little game where we run through different areas of our life and maybe you could share common contractive places that people are operating from in that area of their life and then a way that they could start to counter that today. Let's do it. So what about in friendship? So in friendship, I've noticed that we often feel really afraid to hurt our friends' feelings, whether that is maybe canceling on something we agreed to attend or maybe disagreeing with what our friend is saying. 
Or it's as simple as just feeling like you asked me to do something that I don't actually want to do, but I'm afraid to upset you. So I'm just going to go along with it. So those are the things that I noticed create contractive patterns in friendship. I believe that in general in life, being able to stand in your truth, even at the beginning, your voice might be a little shaky and even though it might feel a little bit challenging. And you can even say, I'm so afraid to hurt your feelings. I'm so afraid to upset you because it's the last thing I want to do. But the truth is I don't really want to go to that. Like it wouldn't make me happy to do that. You can just lead with that. And you can also use the alpha communication, right? How much you value the friendship. And you know that if you're both honest with what you actually enjoy doing and what you don't, it's going to be better for the friendship long term. So that's what I would do. What about a romantic relationship? So many contractive things. I think the thing that we most often do in romantic partnership is we take things personally. I think that we really attract the person who reflects in some degree where our consciousness level is at. And I just mean that because our partners are kind of meant to trigger us. They're kind of meant to poke at the things that we're afraid might be true about ourselves. I think in some ways, chemistry is often like wound chemistry, where you're really attracted to someone because there's something really familiar that you grew up around that they energetically hold, or there's something that they do that maybe you're hoping that this time you're going to write a different ending to the story, but you can't write a good ending to their family version, but maybe in this relationship you can do it. So I would say like any time that we are getting hooked or activated and, you know, taking it really personally, thinking that like that person intentionally disrespected us or intentionally doesn't care about us, or we don't matter to that person to notice that that's actually one of your core wounds is being activated. I used to feel this all the way. It's sometimes still, but there's a sense of like, oh, I clearly don't matter because if I matter, then you would have remembered, or you would have thought of that, or you would have, you know, X, Y, Z, if I really mattered. And that was because growing up, I didn't feel like I mattered. And so I notice now that whenever I'm upset with my partner, it's because there's something that I have been feeling long before my partner that is being activated right now. And then in that case, I can do the polarity integration that we just demonstrated where I can sit with that feeling of like the part of me that doesn't matter and all that is associated with. And then the opposite state of feeling I do matter. I am important. My needs are important. And so I could do the integration on that. Then just the awareness of, oh, maybe this has nothing to do with my partner. I believe that the universe brings us people and circumstances that are neither good nor bad. I think from a universe's perspective, events are neutral. Even though in our human mind, we interpret it as this is terrible, death is terrible, this is bad. Like It's really human side that we ascribe value to events. But from the universe's perspective, it's all neutral. It's just like this thing happened or it didn't happen. And from the universe's perspective or whatever you want to call it, I believe we're just given opportunities to go through an event so that we can grow with the missing puzzle piece that we need to get to our next level of evolution. So it's almost like the universe is just saying, we got to send you this event, this person, so that you have an opportunity to grow in exactly the direction that you need to get your missing puzzle piece. I think that that's sometimes what relationships are for us. I was thinking earlier when we were talking about how different my fights with my husband would look if they were from a place of expansion, like from a bodily perspective, from a thought perspective, putting that into practice would be such a game changer. Yes. Yes, that's right. What about a parental relationship? 
This one, I'll be honest, I'm still learning. I'm still working through this one. <laughs> but I will say that in general, I think when it comes to parents, and I'll speak more for myself, I have a contractive belief that to take care of myself, I'm being a bad daughter. So I think oftentimes as the child, we actually feel like we want to protect our parents' feelings, or we have this belief that they would be heartbroken if I actually spoke my truth about this. Then there's a sense of like, I need to actually abandon myself, betray myself, go along with, play along with to keep you comfortable. And that's what love is, right? And so for me, I have found that it actually created a lot of contraction because it was just continuing this history for me of feeling like I had to just bite my tongue and just go along with it to keep everybody else happy. And now I'm really learning to hold a more expansive perspective, which is I am actually loving myself, honoring myself, respecting myself, and it doesn't make me a bad daughter. In fact, my highest perspective currently is that I believe our souls had a contract and that I definitely chose my family and they definitely chose me because we're doing this dance right now where there's an opportunity for us all to evolve from it. And however challenging, however hard, I really trust that I chose this family for exactly the journey I'm on right now. So that's the higher perspective that is expansive for me that gets me through the tough spots with parents. That's very powerful. And I wish you luck on your journey with that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's a lifetime of work. I feel like often too when we have kids or at least I've experienced with my friends, having kids, it brings up like a whole new layer of healing or exploring what needs to be healed from their own childhood and their own parental perspective. That's right. And there's such a commitment to, I want to end this. I don't want to pass this on. So how do I make sure that I really heal and clean up when I need to so that this doesn't pass on for generations? Last one, I would love to hear one for contraction around money, beliefs around money. That's a great one. So for beliefs around money, I believe that there are a few ways that we relate to money unhealthily. One is that we identify our self-worth as tied to money. So the more money we make, the more worthy we feel we are. And then there's other beliefs as well where we are kind of poking buckets in our money potential because we're either under-earning or unconsciously spending. And then there's also this other relationship where it's kind of terminal vagueness where I don't look at it. I don't want to think about it. I feel really disempowered with it. If you ask me how much I want to make, I would be like, oh, I'm not really sure. If you ask me how much I want to save, I'd be like, I don't really know. So those are the main ways that I find people are disempowered around money. And you can actually do what I just shared earlier in our conversation, which is you can go through systematically and ask yourself, what are the thoughts that I have currently around earning money, spending money, saving money, investing money, right? And so you can actually get crystal clear if your thoughts sound like, oh, it's really hard to make money doing something I enjoy, or in my industry, this is a salary cap that I can expect, or you know, I'm not a smart investor. Actually, I'm actually afraid of making a lot of money because I think I'm going to blow it all on a bad investment. Or you might feel like every time you spend money, you feel contraction because you're like, oh, that's money leaving my bank account, and now I feel contracted. Or you've been saving up for your dream car or dream home, and the moment you put down the deposit, you feel contraction in your system because you're that was a lot of money, right? So you get to actually be really mindful of when you spend, when you earn, when you save, when you grow your finances, 
what are the thoughts? Do they sound expansive or do they sound contractive? And then emotionally, you can feel like, do I feel guilt at the time of spending money? Do I feel shame at my ability to earn money? You can start to label what are the emotions that I feel around, again, making money, saving money, growing it. And then lastly, you can then get really clear on, well, based on the thoughts and feelings that I have, what are the actions I've currently been taking with regards to money? Am I not saving any? Am I unconsciously spending it? Am I under earning? Am I not actually doing anything with my savings because I'm afraid to invest in the wrong thing, right? So that you start to get really crystal clear on like your actions. And then based on that, you can start to do what I taught earlier, which is well, what's an incrementally better feeling thought when it comes to my ability to earn or spend, right? So you can do everything we just talked about and apply it with regards to getting your thoughts, feelings, and actions in alignment with expansion when it comes to money. The first contractive belief around money and its relationship with worth is so frustrating to me because it's so pervasive on a societal level. I noticed that we elevate people's opinions and thoughts and advice just because they have money, whether they've done something to earn it or it's inherited. I just think it's such an interesting thing on a societal level that we're like, oh, if they have a lot of money, they're worth listening to. And if they don't have a lot of money, they're not worth listening to regardless of how they came to have that much money. Absolutely. And I also believe that we're in an interesting paradigm shift right now where the ways in which people have made money to date was not necessarily in the hands of the most conscious people. However, I do feel a lot of hope that soon we're going to have so many examples of wealth in the hands of conscious leaders and specifically money in the hands of women and how it's spent differently and considered differently and looks so different how women choose to spend their money and invest their money and the causes they care about. The world will look so different when wealth is in the hands of women. Hallelujah to that. I'm going to talk about your book and your courses and all of that at the beginning of the episode, but I would love to hear a little bit in your own words about everything that you have going on. I have a Bending Reality course that is part two of my book. So if I were to make Bending Reality part two, like write a new book right now, it would be this course on my website. If that's interesting to you, you can find that under my Bending Reality tab of my site, which is www.victoriason.me. And you can find my Bending Reality course, which teaches, I believe, the most cutting edge principles around quantum success and how to really bend the odds in your favor. And then the other course that I offer just for women, it's actually the most intimate program that I offer and it's for female entrepreneurs, CEOs, and creatives, and it's called the Alchemy Journey. So if you go to my site, you can just click on Alchemy Journey and it's a program that is very small, 10 or fewer individuals in that one. And it's the one that you mentioned, Carolyn and Ariel and Jing and Rosa and like all the women that you named at the top of the call. That's actually the program that they did with me. And it's so beautiful. Which is wild. What a crazy list of people to have done your program. It honestly mind boggled me when I found that out. That makes me so happy to hear. Yeah, they're extraordinary. It's been such an honor to work with them. And they're actually all still working with me. So since the alchemy journey completed, I have another program called Mastery, which is for women who want to go even deeper into this work and stay plugged in for a whole year. And so get to still work with Jing and Ariel and all of them. So that's been phenomenal. Do you get free like crispy chili and all of that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm very lucky. I get a lot of great tips, products. Yeah, you've got like clean beauty. You've got amazing cooking tips. You've got condiments. You're really covered. 
During the pandemic, it was just like, okay, great. Everything's going to go with the chilies. That's just what we're going to do. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I absolutely love this. Thank you, Liz. This was so much fun, truly, like my favorite one yet. So thank you so much. I found this conversation with Victoria so inspiring. I've been practicing approaching situations with an expansive mindset since we chatted, and it's made such a huge difference. Victoria is generously giving a module from her Bending Reality course called How to Calibrate to Wealth to Five Winners. This is a huge deal. These are the exact lessons that have taken Victoria's clients from six to seven figures, seven to eight figures, up to 10 figures. The course, which includes live coaching, focuses on helping you uncover unconscious money blocks, activate your receiving muscle, and clean up generational programming around money. Each giveaway is valued at over $1,000, so thank you, Victoria, for that. It is wildly generous. To enter, just make sure that you're following me at Liz Moody and Victoria at Victoria E. Song on Instagram, then comment on my most recent post what you loved or learned in this episode. The post does not have to be about the episode. Just mention Victoria so that I know that you're entering. And if you are new here, make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We have amazing ones coming up, including a super pragmatic episode about how to actually set better boundaries and a leading expert on epigenetics sharing how we can hack our genes to change our health. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe so you do not miss out on anything. Also, don't forget to join the Healthier Together Facebook group where we'll be talking about episode takeaways each week and be sure to invite any of your friends or family that are listeners too. If you're interested in signing up to be part of a Healthier Together podcast club in your city, a live one with real people in real life, there's a form for that on the Facebook group and then I will put that in the show notes as well. It is truly my dream to help facilitate real life in-person relationships for all of you and I am so, so excited that this is happening. Okay, I love you and I will see you next week on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. If you have dry skin, this is going to be your holy grail. I've love, love, loved the Osea Andaria Algae Body Butter for years. It is so rich and creamy and lush, but it sinks right into your skin and it makes your entire body feel moisturized and not greasy at all. I actually do not understand how it's so not greasy and yet so, so hydrating. As fall approaches, I'm leaning into mini spa energy, these micro-relaxing moments you can insert throughout your day. Because peppering your day with tiny bits of calm can have huge impacts on overall cortisol levels, on your anxiety, even how you sleep at night, and the smell of the body butter. Holy cow, it is pure spa energy. You get that like laying on the massage table, melting energy. It is phenomenal. I've gone through at least four tubs of this personally, and that is saying something because it lasts a long ass time. A little bit goes a very long way. I also always keep extras on hand to give out as gifts. It uses ingredients that you would normally see in face care products like seaweed, ceramides, glycerin, which I am obsessed with for hydration and think is so underrated, amino acids, even a skin identical moisture complex. Also, here is a little tip. If you want to amp up its hydrating power even more, put it on damp skin right after the shower to really lock in all of that moisture and hydration. Like all Osea products, it's formulated with real seaweed to take advantage of its nutrient-rich benefits like deep moisturization. It's also vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. 
Osea has actually been making seaweed-infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for over 27 years. And I personally absolutely love how everything is ethically tested and sourced. For clean body care that gives you skincare-level results, you've got to try Osea. And right now we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with promo code LizMoody at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order, and orders over $60 get free shipping. While you're there, get the body butter, of course, but I'm also obsessed with the Vegas Nerve Oil and Pillow Mist, both of which help so much with my anxiety. I love rubbing the oil on my hands and inhaling deeply before I meditate to make it feel more intentional and calming and grounding. You are going to want it all. Go to OSEAMalibu.com, promo code Liz Moody. 